You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey everybody, Roy O'Malley here. Thanks so much for listening to... Living the dream. I've been away for about two weeks. I did my show at 54 Below last week, and so I took the week off of the podcast. Um, it went really well. Thank you so much to everyone who came and supported me, and everyone who who performed with me in the band. Uh, Stephen Remus, our music director, was amazing, and we had just such great musician musicians, backup singers, and... Uh, yeah, it, it was it was so awesome. Um, I was really nervous to do it. I'm always so nervous to perform anything that I wrote that I ask people to come to. It's almost excruciating to do it. I, I can't really tell you how scared I get before I perform a, a solo show or anything where I've asked people to come. <laughs> You know, it's different when I say like, hey, somebody else wrote this or somebody else did this and I'm a part of it and I think you should see it. It's, uh, I can say like, oh yeah, I believe in this other person and I'm just a part of their vision. But to do something like this is always the most scary thing and it's also the most rewarding. So if you are scared of doing that, if you're scared of putting up something of your own, doing something on your own, I really encourage you to do it because it's the most rewarding thing. It is so gratifying to step through that fear and just put it out there and not judge yourself about how good or or bad it is, but just realize that you did it. And you realize that a lot of your fear is just your own ego, that you want something to be perfect. You want everything to be so good. You want it to be incredible. Something incredible. i sorry, I stepped right into that. But it doesn't matter how incredible or amazing it is. It just has to come from you. It has to be unique, and it will be if it's from you. Um, and I know that sounds like a cat poster, but it's true. Um, I'm just so grateful that so many supportive people came out, and uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, your laughs and you spending the money to come, and we raised some money for Broadway Cares, and that is a wonderful thing. So thank you so much to everybody. Uh, I have a great guest this week, Chris Leary. He is a dresser at Hamilton. And you may be wondering why I'm talking to a dresser. I'm trying to branch out to some more people in different walks of life of our industry. Chris is uh, an artist in every sense of the word. And he he helped me with my show. He made puppets for my big auto titsling number. Yes, there was an auto titsling number from Beaches. You missed it. Um, <laughs> it uh, was so much fun getting to work on that with him but we also talk every day he comes to visit me in my little dressing room and uh, we call it the meeting and so I thought he has such a great story because he came through the the path of starting out as a dancer as a kid went to college to be an actor and then was out in in New York and realized like he 
doesn't necessarily want to do that. It's, at least it's not the only thing that he wants to do. So he started putting his resume out in wardrobe departments and landed in Hamilton. And I think it's such a good example, especially for you folks who aren't sure what you want to do in theater or in the arts. But if you just keep going down the path of getting educated and expanding your education, you will be amazed at where you end up. Uh, Chris is a young guy and he is just getting started and I'm excited to see where he goes. But I think he has a really unique perspective and I hope you enjoy our conversation. We also get into um, my fascination with Mandy Gonzalez and how much I love her and how much I try to impress her every day. And um, <laughs> she's the nicest person in the world, but the ongoing joke is that she's afraid of me. That's all right. That's all right. It's a joke. I'm sure she isn't afraid of me, but I do think that Chris is telling her bad things about me when I'm not there. Um, so anyway, enjoy my conversation with Chris Leary, one of the most fun dressers uh, ever. And he it was my buddy over at Hamilton. Have fun listening to our convo. I'm going to record here. And that's just in case everything goes to shit. And then you have an iPhone recording. And then I have an iPhone recording. And then you can be one of those ads that's like shot on an iPhone 5. Yeah, they're going to call and ask <laughs> Any for day that. now, Apple's going to call and get that Rory O'Malley sponsorship. <laughs> every, almost every podcast I have had so far starts, starts off with me saying how many things I'm recording it on. <laughs> you just have two this time? That's yeah, kind of rude. Two. I'm not really worried about this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're like setting the tone right away. It's I'll, yeah. I'll jump in. Hi, Chris. Hey, Rory. How you doing? I'm good. Good. It's Friday night on Broadway. Here it we is. are early before the show. That's actually my favorite night on Broadway. Mine too. Really? Yeah. Everyone Have we talks... talked about this? No. Everyone loves Saturday night on Broadway. No, I hate Saturday night on Broadway. I don't love Saturday night on Broadway. No, it's night. awful. Well, I... It's I the worst. It's awful. It's the worst show of the week. <laughs> I, <No. laughs> I don't think it's terrible. <laughs> I just think Friday's really fun. Friday's really fun. It reminds me of like... Ordering pizza and like drinking soda in the living room with my dad. Wow. I don't know why. That's so specific. I think that's like where it started, and then like Fridays just became fun because of that. I like willed the Fridays to be better. Okay. So there's something, I don't know, there's something exciting about it. I'm like, ooh, it's Friday night. So you just like Fridays, as long as something exciting (laughs) is happening, it could just be pizza with dad. Right. Or Hamilton. Which is funny because Friday actually doesn't mean anything to us. I mean, Friday is kind of the middle no, of our week. No, yeah. Yeah, TGIF is really actually... Okay. It's just a slap in the Here face is what it really is. Here we is. go. And really, not and not <laughs> this show as much as other shows where you have five show weekends. Like Book of Mormon, That's we did, horrible. We did five shows in 48 hours. That's awful. It was, it was That's not so easy. bad. It's not easy. But you, um, you're a dresser here. I am. And who do you work with? So my... My main gig is the women's ensemble. That's uh-huh. like where I'm based. But I, the all the dressers here are kind of like everybody has a place where they start, where their main focus is, and then we pretty much dress everybody. Like, okay. I think you're actually the only person in the show that I don't have a single cue with. Really? Yeah, I have a cue with everybody else. Mandy, yeah, well. and um, Hamilton. Oh, Burr. I don't have a cue with Burr. So just but everybody else. And yet. We're constantly And yet, somehow, somehow, (laughs) against all odds, we became friends. Yes. Um, (laughs) You, uh, you, but you're very busy, and you also have a lot of work to do before the shows. This, this, I think that this wardrobe team is really great. Um, Oh, that's nice. I think it's a really good, um, and also you guys were all my first friends coming into the show, and, you know. Because you didn't have any. I didn't have any You started with zero, so, like. So I pretty much anybody, someone, yeah. anyone who came around, I know. gave me any attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's overwhelming coming into a show, especially like Hamilton, when sure. everyone's busy and doing a ton of stuff. But mm-hmm. it was fun to kind of, and when you have so much downtime, people ask me what I do backstage, mm-hmm. and it's mostly talk to you and the <laughs> rest of the dressers. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. But I, I think that you have a really unique story. Um, and I want to know more about your story. Yeah. And I think that, you know, of all the people I've had on the podcast already, I want to expand 
to, to all the different backgrounds and the people who are doing different things in this business. And yeah. you certainly have a very unique... I've done a couple. You've done a couple, done a couple of, of them. So you grew up in... Virginia. Virginia, beautiful Southern Virginia for lovers. Yeah, well, it, for the longest time it was like Virginia is for lovers. Like parentheses, some restrictions may apply <laughs> because gay marriage was like super oh, illegal there. That's true. Um, it yeah. was more illegal than <laughs> even in other places. Yeah, it was like do meth, just don't get gay married. Right. Yeah, that was kind of right. the main slogan. Yeah, I guess that's where like interracial. That's where everything. Yeah. Everything that sucks. It started. Oh my gosh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love no, my home state. Um, no, but I do remember actually in <clears throat> in high school, like one of the first times I was ever allowed to vote. I was 18. Uh-huh. The first election I voted in was actually a state election, and mm. one of the bills on the ballot was like um, it wasn't marriage equality for sure, but it was like a it was like a bigger like a more anti-gay bill. <laughs> right. And it passed. So like that was kind of a shitty time. Yeah, I remember voting obviously against it. Me and my um, lesbian friend Lauren like went to the polls together and voted no on it. Oh. I remember that. But yeah, so I'm from like Southern Virginia, mm-hmm. um, and I went to. I started the thing. The first thing that started for me actually was dance because my mom and my sister were both dancers at the studio, and I remember like people always ask like, "Oh, like what got you started in dancing?" And I could like tell them like a, a fake like inspirational reason right. um, or I could tell them the real reason the real reason was because there was this poster on the wall I remember like w- in the waiting room we go to pick my sister up and it was all these girls in tutus and this one boy and it was like a cartoon it was it was something like oh wait for your ride inside or something but it was all these kids at a, a ballet bar right. and I was like oh my god like there's a boy in there I want to do that Wow. <clears throat> so my mom got me started my first dance class was a tap class uh-huh. And I remember being so scared. Uh, we did right. um, we did a tap dance to get a job because it was like a 50s dance recital. Oh. And I had this blue, I mean, it was fabulous. It was a blue sequin, like, fluffy oh, sleeves. Did you make it or buy it or pick it out? Um, I didn't get to do any of those things. I just wow. wore it. It was just given was, to you. It was you. just given to me. But I was like, I love it. Right. It was blue. It was powder blue. It was pretty fantastic. Wow. But, so so a, a, a child model <clears throat> in a picture basically inspired you. <laughs> my What turned out to be the rest of my future, yeah. Well, that's pretty great because yep. I think especially young guys are always intimidated about taking oh, totally. class. I mean, that was a, it was a big thing, actually, because, um, like, especially down there, as you could imagine, you know, yeah. I'm seven years old, I'm starting dance classes. Yeah. Like that wasn't really the most popular thing. Um, I also played a ton of sports. I played, like, soccer and baseball, which I was terrible terrible at wow oh my god i used to get hit with the ball all the time i was like i used to be scared of going to bat or to um to baseball practice oh yeah because I, I would just get beat up hurt yeah yeah that's i love soccer football. yeah that's right you played football yeah that's the only one i never did i did tennis and i did um softball and baseball and soccer and basketball wow but i never played and then one like blip on the radar where my dad tried to get me golf lessons for my 18th birthday didn't I mean, he didn't try to get the lessons. He got the lessons. I just hated it. It was awful. I don't think I have the patience for it. I like golf, but I don't do it, and I'm terrible. I mean, (laughs) the times that I've gone, it's it's funny. Well, I'm sure. As long as I'm with people who don't really care. Maybe we should go golfing together. Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't can't even imagine. Uh, Uh, So you were – so you were – started off as in dance classes, and that's how you became – It was. I mean, that was my – the main – my first thing was the dance classes, and I loved it. I just, like, loved it. And then it – tap was, like, what I started with, and then it transitioned. I took, like, my first jazz class, and then Mm. I think it was, like, three years later when I was 10, I started taking two classes at once, which was, like, a big deal for me, you know? Wow. Um, But then I I remember, too, like, my first – I just, like, loved being on stage. I was really nervous about doing it. I used to have terrible stage fright about, like, actually... I used to get... Like, I used to make myself sick, like, worrying about the dance recitals. It was crazy. But then yeah. when I was there, I just loved it. Yeah. And I remember in my um, preschool, it was Captain Kids with two Ds, because it was pun. Oh. And we did a Christmas pageant, and I was given the role of the head elf, which was a pretty big deal. Wow, that's a breakthrough. I know. Role. It was a breakout role. Head elf. You never played that. I didn't. I was St. Joseph. <laughs> So what is that? I mean, come on. <laughs> um, You're right. The head elf has a lot more to do with the Christmas story. It's more about the Christmas spirit. The father. Yeah, yours is just some stupid guy Jesus. with a crooked stick who like couldn't give it mom, to his I wife. I used my mom's shillelagh. <laughs> we had a family shillelagh, which is a shillelagh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is an Irish cane. Uh huh. 
And that's what I used as Joseph. That was my first prop. And I wore a robe. Um, and now look at you. Now look at me. So you were a head elf. I was a head you elf. Got in, you got into theater, and that was the crossover. Into... That kind of was. I mean, that was really, like, the beginning of it, because then I went to... And then middle school happened, which is, you know, a very tumultuous time Why? for many. Why was it tumultuous? Well, you know, it's like being, like, a little gay boy growing up. Don't and... assume. <laughs> I'm assuming you, like, know someone. I've heard, like, a couple of your other podcasts. Um... No, so then I, I started doing theater um, around middle school. I got involved in, like, the like the school productions and stuff. And then by the time I got to high school, it was kind of like, oh, I really, really, really love this. And right. at that time, I was taking, like, I got really into ballet. It was, like, a big part of my life. And I kind of had to choose between that and all of the many sports that I was taking. Right. Um, so I obviously, <laughs> I was, like, hung up the soccer mm, cleats. Oh, well. and <laughs> gonna I was have like, to put that aside and then you went into dancing dancing became pretty much my life that and um band i was really big into i played the saxophone play? and the oboe you played the saxophone i and did the oboe. do you still play it um i mean i could like if i had one you needed to yeah if your life depended on it but you're Probably. not like practicing after the show well you don't know that i don't that's why i'm asking <laughs> no i'm not um i had this like i i started playing saxophone in middle school and then I got to high school and um, the band director was like, oh, like, do you want to learn how to play the oboe? Like the school's going to pay for lessons. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. And the reason I really wanted to do it is because I wanted to learn how to play the Nightmare Before Christmas oboe solo. <laughs> so I was like. Wait, which which one? And what song? Na, 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 na. You know, at the beginning of yeah. the movie. Yeah, it's an oboe. Wow. Yeah. And I was like. You were like, doing it. I'm going to get these free lessons just so I can jam And then when I figure the out that solo, I'm going to quit. I'm out of here. You're out of school. You're just yeah. going to go straight. I dropped school and I'm just going to go straight to the Tim Burton School, school of, of Oboes. <laughs> so um, wow. but I picked up the Burton. oboe and I had this um, militant lesbian oboe teacher named Gail. Of course you did. And she worked for the post office and she bred corgis. And I used to go over to her house on like Monday nights and I'd have my oboe lessons and my dad, my dad was so wonderful because he like, he loved it. He loved music. He loved, um, like the fact that I played instruments, that it was the coolest thing. And yeah. he used to like, he would like send me upstairs and like, you have to go practice. And of course I was like, God, oh, dad, I don't want to practice my yeah. saxophone. I have better things to do. I already know the I already know the solo. Christmas solo. <laughs> what else do I need to know? I did have like a pretty sweet Holly and the Ivy solo at our Christmas concert that first oh. year. And I, I used to catch him like he would go he'd send me upstairs to practice and I would hear him mute the TV downstairs to like listen. Oh. I know. It was I mean honestly at the time I was like annoyed by it, but it's really sweet to think about now. Yeah, I can totally see like as a kid you'd be like, Ugh, Dad, listen stop to me. listening to me. God, <laughs> anyone you support me. Oh God! Like, stop being so nice. Stop being so caring. <laughs> you know, I mean, my uh, my parents. Oh, someone's food. That's here. live. Whose food was it? Uh, might be. My, uh, no, it's not mine. Emily ordered it. I don't know. Maybe it was mine. Well, so from um, that we're back. We're in my dressing room, <laughs> and um, throughout the entire show, really, <laughs> someone from the stage door. The security at stage door is always announcing when someone's Mandy, food food's here. here. Food's here. Mandy, food's here. Rory, well, Mandy's food. not getting that much food. She gets Chris. four meals yes. a show. <laughs> if Broadway's Mandy Gonzalez doesn't eat every two hours, <laughs> just <laughs> little portions she has them delivered. You can't afford to be in her bed. We can't talk about Mandy her. if you're listening. Like, don't, don't. We can't talk about. It. Now, see, this is the thing with Mandy. That we, okay, so we'll get back to you and your amazing life in a second. But so the every you know second act. Chris comes to visit me. Yeah, we have three From songs. From where? What song is it usually? I come up on? here at the very beginning of um, Take it's a after, Break. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the end of, what's end the, of the, the first cabinet, cabinet battle. battle. And, no, and then there's one more song. What's the next one? Oh, yeah. Uh, what did I miss in the yeah. cabinet battle? And then I come upstairs. Yeah. So I'm up here for Take a Break, Say No to This, and Room Where It Happens. Yes. And then I usually run downstairs just in enough time to... What do you have to do? I have to do a cue with... Um, Carly Betty all who's not here anymore, but right. it's, um, <clears throat> I, so I, you don't do it anymore for the, no, I'm like, Eliza, <laughs> sorry girl. Like you have to figure this one out yeah. on your own. Um, um no, yes. it's a, it's a cue. It's a full, it's a full change. She okay. changes shoes and vest and she has like a little dicky that she puts on. Wow. It's quick. It's a quick change. Right. But for that, like three, three and a half songs, mm -hmm. you're up and we get to, we hang visit. out. We like you come update. To visit me. User, uh, before, 
Philippa Sue used to come and visit me before, and and then when because she, left, she used to come up to visit Jonathan Groff. She used to meet Jonathan Groff, and so she came up to visit me, and, and she I was got, like, "This sucks. I'm leaving the show now. Like, yeah, Rory's awful. I have to leave it. Hamilton." She couldn't take it anymore. She couldn't so take she it. Left. No, yeah. she's so sweet. <laughs> I miss her. But um, you came up, started uh, hanging out with me then, and then when Mandy joined the cast, <laughs> she came. She came she once. once. She, she came, came one once, time, and you weren't there. And no. I was like really nervous because I was a huge <laughs> in the Heights fan. I think she's so amazing, and she and I kind of like overcompensated with excitement that she was in my dressing room. Yeah, visiting. you were a weirdo. Yeah, and you like I, ruined it. Well, I I I was showing her pictures <laughs> of my friends and of you're showing me in her high a school. magnet on your. I have a I have a magnet um, from a friend in high school of of uh, high school dance, and I was just telling stories of all my high school friends. And Mandy like had to go to go back on stage, and I told Chris like I I don't know she might think I'm weird, and then he, you told her <laughs> that I said that, and so she kept being I like, sure did. Oh, I don't know. Because if I, I can have come another back. like I have another hangout that started with Renee and Jasmine mm-hmm. where at fifteen I leave the girls' dressing room Before on the, the sixth show. floor. Yeah. And I go downstairs and it's actually really all these visits, it's so funny how this happened. Like I used to go visit Jasmine just because we started to become friends and I was like I used to come by and just check on her and then of course Renee was like, Oh, like what do you and Jasmine do? Like do you have a cue with her? And I like and I was like, No, I just talked to her and she was like, Well, do you, like will you come visit me and I was like sure okay so then it became like this whole thing so then I was like alright Mandy like part of this track is I come see you at 15 you know right and I told her about that and I was just like well like Rory am I right you know we were both smoking cigarettes and like <laughs> <laughs> just kidding we, we don't do that yeah. um, but then we like uh, I told her that you were such a weirdo and she was like oh my god I know right and she was like I'm never coming back again like Rory's awful no, like he made didn't. me so uncomfortable no he's just she's so sweet and she I'm... felt threatened by you now he's lying in like a I scary way know that but she uh, has come back since it was three months it was like three always... months it was a really long time well, she before she came back she was getting into the sh- she was getting no, into the show she was scared and so when she did come back and you were here you kept you always <laughs> say things to make it uncomfortable and god bless her she keeps coming back but that first sit, time that she came back she left and you looked at me and said you ruined my life you ruined life. my life cause you made it I do. so uncomfortable and she so now she plays along with it and like a few minutes into being here she's, she says this feels weird. I have to go. Yeah, what did she say? She was like, when you held up that I T-shirt, her, yeah, I she said, like, oh, we're doing this story like, again? Oh, are we telling this again? <laughs> it's so cold in here, and I don't turn on the heater. And she she came in, and she said, And you almost set so her on cold. fire. Well, I said, it's, she said, it's so cold in here. And I said, oh, yes, I didn't turn on the heater. And she said, and you knew I was coming? <laughs> But you knew I was coming. You knew I was coming, right? right? So, like, why? So, then, now it's this whole thing. Like, I turn on the heater. I have... He tries um, to get snacks. I try to have snacks, but it's really just me trying to steal stuff It's like old M&M's. Actually, you gave her a handful of the M&M's that you gave her. she gave me. And then you you tried to give them back to her. Yeah. She turned you down cold. She brought M&M's that um, someone had given her. (laughs) And uh, she gave them to me. And then I... uh, Gave him to her the next day. Anyway, it's not. It hasn't been going great. But we love Mandy. <laughs> I love. Mandy. I'm trying. Mandy to loves me. I don't like. You guys have a really rocky relationship. Well, I think that she likes me, and she's <laughs> quite possibly one of the nicest people. Like as long ever, as we so think that people like us, that's all. That that's matters. all that matters. Yeah. As long as I don't find out anything differently. <laughs> um, <laughs> she no, she's so sweet, and so you know that's what's hard about. I'm not sure if she likes me or not. Yeah, that's hard. But um, it's hard having like the most liked person in Hamilton just like not, not like sure you. Yeah, if she's yeah uh, can deal with me. Right. So yeah, so um, people get deliveries, <laughs> and uh, that's why story. you're using Mandy as an ex- as an example right. over and over. But yeah, all all throughout the show, it'll be like it's so funny. It's It'll be who lives, who dies. Roy, your food's here. Roy, your food's here. Your food's here, Roy. Roy, your food's here. Roy, your cookies here. Come pay. Hey, come on out. This guy needs cash or something. I don't know. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. It always happens at the most inopportune, inappropriate moments. Um, okay, mm-hmm. so let's go back to you. All right, to okay. Your so story. You were in dance classes. You be, you go. You're doing two classes at once. Yeah. You were the head elf. I was the head elf. These are if I honestly if I could do like a bullet points of my life. That's yeah. like the first twenty years. That's it. That's amazing. I'm kidding. Um, no, my my parents actually both were so incredible. I, I mean, I could never do it. 
I could never have done that. I mean, I'm talking like my sister and I both were involved in so much because my mom and my sister also danced at the same studio. Um, I think for me, dance became a little more like it was more than it was for either of them just because I was doing it so much more. And like I knew from a pretty early age that I wanted a career in the performing arts like in some way. So, I mean, my dad and my mom were like, before I could drive, I mean, I think they were honestly like so excited about me getting a driver's license because I was doing show choir and I was in a dance company and I was playing sports and I was in like all these crazy AP classes and I was in like, you know, honor society and student government and like all this crap, you know, because I was just like, sure, let me do more stuff, which as you know, is kind of like my problem still as an adult that I just can't say no to people. Right. Um, But yeah, so my, my parents were super supportive of that, but I had to kind of make some decisions when I was in high school about what I really wanted to do. And I remember I had a uh, a director who actually, you know, did you ever do community theater? Yeah. Well, of course you did. There you are in a t-shirt. Here it is. West Side Story at Rocky River Community Theater. Somebody gave me this t-shirt. The Harris family came yeah. to see me. And this was 20 years ago. I was Tony. I mean, which is so appropriate for you. Yes, it is. Especially <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> Go on with your story. <laughs> Let's stick to you. Gerald, if you're listening, I hope you're proud. Um, <clears throat> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about him. Don't, don't bring He's him up. He's had enough airtime. I know. Um, he doesn't need any more free advertising. No. Um, but uh, yeah, so this woman, her name is Carol Sue, which is like, you know, Virginia. So everybody has to have two names. Right. Um, and she, she was like, we did shows together at the community theater. And then she was my teacher in high school. So I felt really cool because I got to call her Carol Sue, you know, yeah. like around other grownups. I was like, oh, like Mrs. Feist, like it's so nice to see you. But like, like wink and nudge, mm-hmm. like just kidding. I know your first name. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got, um, she told me in like ninth grade, she was like, you can only go like pursue theater as a career if you can't imagine yourself being happy doing anything else. It's good, good advice. And it was really good advice. And I actually, I, th- I think that I thought about it for four years, like all throughout high school as I was like slowly dropping other things and taking on more performance based stuff, I was like, this is so true for me. I really can't imagine being happy in any other career field. Um, There's other things that I wanted to do along the way. Like in eighth grade, I had this obsession with forensic pathology because I'm a huge science nerd. I like took a bunch of chemistry classes in college. And you killed lots of people. I killed lots of people and got away with it. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, is this thing still on? so I had... Um, no, that's totally normal. You know? um, <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you want to do in high school? What was your backup plan? I had Mr. never Bur- strayed away from Liza Minnelli. <laughs> that I could probably believe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I kind of kept that at like the forefront of my focus. And like um, a big turning point for me was junior year, in between junior and senior year, they have this thing in Virginia called the Governor's School for the Performing Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this intensive that happens in the summertime. It's like a full month where you go live on a college campus and it's six days a week of whatever it is that you go for. Right. And it's like eight hours a day. It's pretty intense. Um, and they took, I think it was, it's like one one or two students from every school city in the state so like Mm -hmm. all the whole city of Hampton there's like four high schools um and like I got selected to go for ballet so it was a really big deal because I think that in my at least for me it was you know I mean back then like a I had never been away from home for that long right um and I certainly had never been outside of my little bubble of like dance class right you know I danced at two different studios and stuff but it wasn't like you ever get any sort of outside validation especially as a boy yeah I was either the only one or there was like one other person right you know so I never knew like anything about what the real world was like and so then to go to this summer intensive program where I'm with like I think it was like 15 it was a really small group of ballet dancers it was me and there were two other guys there um and it was just like the best summer it was so much fun um Sasha Hollinger actually went she was the year right uh either before me or after me Wow. Um, we found that out like a month ago. <clears throat> That's amazing. Yeah, we were talking about it, and I was like, oh, Governor School for the Performing Arts. And she was like, I did that. And I was like, oh, I also did that. Um, wow. Sasha is currently the bullet. She's the bullet. Yeah, she's one of the girls that I dress. And we were like, we have a lot of fun in the dressing room. We always just get into these like long talks. And what, for some reason, somehow, <laughs> that, came, <laughs> that came up. And we just talked about it. And it was a really great summer because I think I learned 
a like how to be away from my family and my friends because right. you you know we didn't have cell phones and mm-hmm. I remember I had to get a calling card because you were on this like University of Richmond campus mm. um, which was like an hour and a half away from where I lived and you could use the school phones but you had to like dial out with a calling card oh, wow. um, so that was like a whole thing you know yeah. and I I'm, and that's when I really realized I just like loved it and that's what I wanted to do right so of course I did all the you know high school theater stuff and like community theater and um, I actually, for like, <laughs> I, I, I got picked up by, a, this is for anyone who can't see this, I'm doing giant air quotes, a modeling agency. Oh, I re- oh my God. Like, I really thought this was going to happen for me. It was like this local woman. Yeah. Um, she had like wrinkly lips and what? She, yeah, she just had wrinkly, wrinkly lips. Like, so, like we were, we went to the whole, like, um, my friend Ashley had gotten signed by them and she was like, oh, you should go like to this modeling agency and I'm like oh yeah you know I'm 17 I got a couple talent (laughs) (laughs) wrinkled lips talent incorporated um yeah, her name was Evie Mansfield, and she was... God, let me give you her phone her number. Name. She's probably not even living anymore. Oh, God, what if she was, is? She, she was living heard, on borrowed time. She just time. heard this, and she just said, with her wrinkled <laughs> lips, damn you, Chris. <laughs> She's probably injecting herself with toxins as we oh, speak. Oh, God. Okay, um, moving on. But anyway, so she... um Yeah, so I like started working for them, and I did a, a couple like stupid uh, like bridal show things and like little local ads and... Right. Um, I did a children's festival where I had to dress up like a Trojan. Um, my friend Ashley, the one who got signed, had to go as um, a Cheshire cat. So she was in like a mascot costume, which I, to this day, we, we still think is like the funniest thing in the world. That you still have that? I have a picture of it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, like you're, we're at a modeling agency and you're a, you're a cat. You're in a cat costume that's with amazing. a giant head. We're covering your face up. Wow. You have a great face for mascot work. Um um, I actually worked at uh, Tower City in Cleveland. At the, it was like a downtown mall, mm-hmm. and I was Raggedy Andy. <laughs> and recently, one of my buddies who did that with me when we were in, it was when we were in high school mm-hmm. showed me a picture. They still have the Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy costumes. The same one. It has to I'm be. I'm sure. Why they don't would replace they? That why, stuff. why would they replace those two characters? Because they're that are raggedy. From 100 years ago. <laughs> So there, th- this was 20 years ago that I was this. It's mm-hmm. kind of shocking. I also was there for Dinosaur Fest, and we were all dressed as dinosaurs. And I would dance <laughs> as a dinosaur with a head on, and I couldn't see anything. Once a little girl came up to me, and she was dancing with me, and I was like, oh, gosh, I'm dancing with this girl. I'm holding her hands, oh, and I can't boy. see her. I'm going in a circle. Did you kick her? 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I was like, this girl, I can't believe she's still dancing with me. I reel, and then this girl comes, the other girl comes up, she goes, Dad, why is that dinosaur spinning by himself in a circle? The girl had left me like 10 minutes before, and I was holding on to what I thought were her hands, but it was was myself. It was my costume. I was holding on to my sides, like, you know, like my scales or something that was on my dinosaur This is such a Rory outfit. story. That's yeah. so perfect. And just spinning in a circle for 15 minutes. You know? Thinking I was making a little girl so happy. What a metaphor for life. Yeah, it's true. That's just keep basically. spinning That's in a circle. That's what I do here. I just spin, you just spin in a, in a circle, circle and then I go out on stage And then for you realize minutes. that no one's watching. And no one's watching. And you've been dancing by yourself the Waiting whole time. Waiting for Mandy Gonzalez. Waiting for Mandy Gonzalez to care. To, to love me. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so... You are you're a dancer. You're a model. You <laughs> big you, time model. So you that's throughout high school. You go into that was college. not high school. So yeah. So then you... my last year of high school, I was like definitely going to be auditioning for like I want to go to school for theater. That's right. what I want to do. Actually, no, I wanted to go to school for dance. I wanted to be a professional dancer. Wow. And I um, there's this there's this college in Richmond, Virginia Commonwealth University, which is right. a large the largest state university in Virginia, and it's wonderful it is the it, honestly it's the best like the the city is cool the university was amazing i knew that was my first choice um i had also applied academically to nyu and a couple other schools yeah as like a backup um because my parents like really really pushed education as like the first and foremost like most important thing mom's a teacher my mom was well she was a teacher and then she was an elementary school principal and then by the time i was in high school she was um kind of like an assistant superintendent Uh she was the director of elementary education for the city um she had her phd i mean she retired at 55 she's amazing we love you pat pat if you're listening i know you are she's one of my listeners she is she's one she's one of your listeners love her um 
And so they, and my dad was an engineer. He didn't go to college, but he went to, there's a shipyard in Newport News where near where I'm from. Um, and he did like the apprentice school where you do the training there and you get paid to go to school pretty much. Yeah. Um, and he always told me like from a very young age that his biggest regret was not going to an actual four year university. Uh-huh. Um, so they were so supportive and they pretty much told me, you can go to school for whatever you want. We'll help you pay for four years. But like, as long as you get a degree, we don't care what it is. Right. Um, which was wonderful because a lot of people don't have parents like that. Yeah. A lot of people, especially yeah. in this industry. I mean, how many times do you hear the story like, oh, my parents said they wouldn't pay for college if I went to school for acting right. or, yeah. you know, and not that you necessarily have to have a degree, but for in my household, it wasn't really like a question. It was like, you're going to you're going to get that degree. And I'm so, 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 so glad that I did. Um, but I was preparing for the dance audition and it was like maybe two weeks before I was supposed to do it. And I don't know what happened. And I was just like, I, I don't want to go to school for dance. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be an actor that's where I need to be I'm, I'm doing that and so I changed my mind and I found two like whole, oh my god looking back on it because you know it was like do a dramatic and a comedic right. monologue you know every like theater school audition sure um it was horrible I, I went to I didn't know anything about anything I went mm. to Barnes and Noble with my friend Ashley the cat costume girl yeah. and we like looked at books of monologues I think one was like Chekhov Oh. I had no idea, like, who that even That's was. That's a good place to start. Yeah, some, some, like, <laughs> some surface level, like, honestly, I didn't even know who Chekhov was, and I was, like, yeah. it was from The Bear, actually. Uh-huh. Um, another real easy sure. piece for a 17-year-old to dive into. And then the quote-unquote comedic, I don't remember what it was, I'm sure it wasn't funny, um, but I prepared my two monologues, and you had to do, like, an improvisation thing, and they did an interview portion, and all this stuff. Um, and so I last minute went, did the theater audition and it was, I remember it was super cold. It was like January, it was snowing and I left and was just so happy that I had, I felt like I really had made the right decision. Right. Um, and they were like, oh, you know, we're going to put you into one of five categories. Basically, if you're a one, we'll send you a letter immediately. If you're a five, we'll also send you a letter immediately, but it's not going to be the one that you want. Right. Um, and then, you know, in between, if you're a three, you'll kind of find out in a couple months and at the time, I was doing a production of Godspell, if you've heard of it. I was playing a little role called Jesus oh my. in my high school. I had no idea I was in the presence of the divine. Of, yes, celebrity. Yeah. Um, I had this awful, like, bleached blonde, shaggy hair. Fun. I wore puka shell necklaces and stuff. Like, in life, not even in the show. Right. Um, but I came home from rehearsal, and my dad got the mail and there was a letter from BCU and I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to open it. I don't want to open it. And that was the first time I ever cursed in front of my dad. I opened it and I said, holy shit, I got in. He was like, what? And then he took me out. We went to this place, Capri. It's this Italian restaurant. Right. Up the street, took me out to celebrate. Or no, we went to Ruby Tuesdays. We went to Ruby Tuesdays. That's oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Got to celebrate at Ruby Tuesdays. Always. So I went to school for theater and, um, I, I loved it. I loved it. And it was it was great because the program there was an acting program. Yeah. But I was able to explore, like, I had been taking vocal lessons since high school. And right. I met some of my best friends who are doing amazing things. Like, one of my really good friends, Kim, is actually in Book of Mormon now. Right. She's the new Nebulungi on Broadway. Um, a friend, Susan, of mine, she was doing stuff with Second City. She's on the Second City cruise right now. She auditioned for SNL this summer. I mean, I just, I met the most amazing people and yeah. I, I learned so much about myself and what it is that I wanted to do. Right. Um, I also had a very unique experience the first couple of years because I still couldn't let the academic stuff go. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. I, you know, I loved science. I loved chemistry. I was taking like honors chemistry my freshman year of college and took the like American Chemistry Society exam. I like really was preparing myself for just in case this whole acting thing doesn't work out. Maybe wow. I'll just go be like a, a chemist. A chemist somewhere. Sure. Um <laughs> classic tale, you yeah. know. Kid wears ballet tights, kid goes, goes to acting school chemistry. and becomes a chemist. Yeah. <laughs> so um but that was where I really fell in love with improv and comedy and sketch comedy and stand up was at was at VCU. That's where I kind of realized cuz you know, when you think of at least for me when you think of acting, you know, yeah. you think of like acting. Right. And it's such a serious craft sure. and you must take it very seriously. Right. Until you realize that there's this whole other side of it where you can be funny and that's great and they people yeah. love it. Um and my dad was always such a goofball growing up that like I feel like that was totally ingrained 
in me from really early on was just I loved making people laugh. I loved yeah. it so much. I still do. Yeah. Um, so, but halfway so through, had, halfway through that, I, yeah. I was, I almost, I was like, you know what? I've been, I've been through a lot of these moments in my life where I'm just like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if this is really for me. Um, and my sophomore year, I was going to change my major to costume construction. And I had a wow. professor who like really was pushing it for me. And he was my advisor. His name was Carl. He's wonderful. He was so fantastic. Um, and he was like, yeah, you know, acting will always be there. You should get your education in something that's a skill. Yeah. <laughs> Which oh, was thanks, like, Carl. <laughs> thanks a lot, like, Carl. Don't, don't go to school over something that has value. Something that you can actually do something with. Yeah. Which that was. I don't know if this was for you, but when you were in school, did anyone like your family was always like, "Oh, you're going to school for acting. That's cool. Like, what's your backup plan? Like, what do you oh, want to yeah. do? What's your job going to be?" Oh God, I think they still ask me. You know. Like, <laughs> no, oh, right. No. What are you going to do? No, but yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that at at my school, it was like there are no other options other than the track that you've come into here mm-hmm. for so what a great thing that you were able to experience so yep. much of yep. theater that you had a Carl or that mm-hmm. you had somebody who could recognize your other talents yeah and you know I mean that's I think that's kind of been for me anyway the story of my life is just kind of this like ADD schizophrenic person inside right. of me that wants to do everything right um and I have always been super jealous of people that are so good at like one or two things Right. <clears throat> that are just like, you see that person and you're like, that's what you're born to do. You're so good at it. You have such a skill. I've always been really jealous of that because I feel like for me, it's more like I have so many varied interests and I have these like little, you know, minutia skills of all these different categories where I'm like, well, I could learn more about that and do that. Or yeah. if I practiced more at this, I could be this. And, um, that was kind of my whole thing in college was like I couldn't I wanted to take I, I took the most credit hours you could take every single semester of college without wow. paying extra because wow. I was I was in the honors get program the so I had to a and right. then <laughs> B I was just I wanted to get the most out of my college experience well a lot of people you know um there are a lot of pe- younger people I think who listen to this who are considering about going to a conservatory mm-hmm. or just going into this part of their life and I think that I went to a conservatory I'm I'm glad that I did I think that it really prepared me for a very specific mm-hmm. uh, part of our industry but I think that knowing exactly what you want to do at 18 it's crazy is crazy that's crazy it, it's crazy mm-hmm. and, and it's you shouldn't be expected to know exactly mm-hmm. what you want to do and you should be open to a lot of different things and Absolutely. I think that um, I was so uh, you know, I knew what I wanted, but I think it took me a lot of years after mm-hmm. school to realize that I could be open to other things. Yeah. And then I started letting myself be more interested in in, in something other than performing. Yeah. And, and uh, how wonderful that you were in a place where that was fostered and that you could learn a lot. Totally. And, like, explore other things. I mean, that's what I always say, too. Like, cause I, um, I help my one of my friends is a theater director for a high school, and so I come and I teach them sometimes yeah. a few times a year and you know the 18 year old kids that are young adults they're not kids but they their question is always like you know what do I do what's my next choice what's my next step and I know what you mean being 18 and being asked to say all right what are you going to do that's going to shape the very rest of your life that is a really difficult decision yeah. and it was difficult for a lot of people I was lucky at least that I knew I wanted to be in the performing arts you know what what world yeah I knew there was no question right um, so let's get to the end of college and you, you know, what I'm most interested in is you leave school and obviously yeah. you can, if you had, if you were going into costume construction, what did, what did you end up getting? I ended up getting in? a BFA in acting and performance. Right. That was my, so I didn't, I ended up not changing my major. I stuck with it. Um, but you were able to take classes. And... I took classes in everything. I mean, that was the great thing about the program was I was able to, um, continued to take like costume crafts and Carl was great because he let me audit classes because he knew that, that was... if I was going to take extra credits and he knew that you know as an acting major you're so busy and that whole last year is like putting together your New York and Chicago and LA showcases right. and he knew that I wasn't going to be able to really commit to an additional class so he would let right. me audit things and just like come literally just come to learn right like not being graded but you know he would always be like girl like that's looking a little sloppy let's like get that together right um and so that the last year was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, 
I was working at a theme park. I was working at Busch Gardens. I was a singer-dancer there for about three or four years. Amazing. Oh, my God. The best. The people, and honestly, really so many... camp for so many things. Yeah. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. I mean, really. You're like... And it's also great because you're living with people that are doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And it's this huge... It was wonderful, but I auditioned for... I was on the hire list for Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. Nice. Um, and I... It was a kind of this moment where I was doing my showcases for New York and Chicago because I really wanted to move to Chicago. That's where I thought I was going to go because uh, of the whole comedy thing. Sure. I was in this, like, sketch group at school, and I had auditioned for this cruise ship, and I was on their hire list, and I just kind of had this whole... I have all these options in front of me and I was doing a production. I was in a production of White Christmas in Virginia at Virginia Repertory Theater. And um, there were like three or four people in the show that had come from Broadway. Like um, Andrea Rivette, she was in the revival of uh, Jekyll and Hyde with David Hasselhoff. Oh my. She's on the DVD. Wow. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is a, I'm, this is a Broadway performer. Yeah. Because you know that feeling of like... I mean, you know, you're from Ohio. You're not from this area, course, and meeting yeah. your first Broadway performer yes. is—I mean, it was mind blowing. And I was—I yeah. was almost 22, but I still was just like, "Oh my god, this is so cool." Um, and she ended up becoming a really good friend of mine, and really kind of convinced me that I needed to be in New York. She was like, "You know, you're a singer, you're an actor, you're a dancer. Don't go to Chicago. There's nothing for you there." Which hmm. she's right. I mean, unless you're like really ready to work in one theater, you know, New York is the place to be. Um, and so I decided I was going to do it and I saved a bunch of money and it was a pretty last minute decision. Like I decided in January and then February I was, my mom was driving me up in her SUV with my, like whatever belongings I owned. Right. Um, I subletted an apartment from this wonderful gentleman named Michael Lanning, who's also a Broadway actor. He was in Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, okay. Um, and it was so important that I was just surrounding myself with people that had been through it and... Mm-hmm were like in the industry and so I moved here in February of 2011 and I still didn't really know what I wanted to do but I knew I had to be up here mm-hmm. um, I got a call from Royal Caribbean but I turned it down because I said it was a really hard decision honestly because sure. when you're that age what they want to pay you to live on a boat for nine months is pretty great you're Absolutely, not paying rent yeah. and you have no ties and you're yeah. just like doing what you want to do and you're getting paid for it and traveling the world and it's amazing and a lot of people make really awesome careers out of it sure um but i knew that for me i just needed to be here yeah um i also really i'm not great with change like i it takes a lot for me to really take a leap and that was the first time and maybe the only time in my life that i've really done that just been like well i'm moving to new york doing it um and so I wasn't about to just take this again. thing. Yeah, it was so it was so scary to me. You took enough to get to here. Yeah, was... yeah, sure. And there so was a lot stayed. of support behind me. Yeah, so I stayed here, and um, I worked the crazy jobs. You know, like the classic tales of the weird. I was like an, an assistant for this crazy old woman on the Upper East Side, mm-hmm. who was like a you know pseudo famous painter, and her husband was like this composer and. I used to like house sit for her and host dinner parties and be a bartender for her fancy lady parties that she would host. Wow. Um, did that. I like worked at a greeting card store where I was a custom print specialist. I don't know if that's... I don't know about that. You printed the cards? I like helped people design them. Oh, wow. That yeah, okay. was a pretty big deal. All right. um, so I had all kinds of weird jobs. And then um, I was still auditioning and like... I just, I found that I didn't really have the same passion for it that I used to. Yeah. And I didn't love it as much. And I kind of got to this point, I think I told you, I was, the last audition I ever went to was I auditioned for Book of Mormon, actually. Right. And I was actually called back for Elder McKinley. Well, well, um, well. That was the first, it was, it was, I mean, I I say it like I was called back. I got kept like in the second yeah, yeah. round. So yeah. it was a tap call and then we stayed and we sang and, um, I like I remember feeling like I should have been more excited. Right. And I left and I got on it was at Pearl and I got on the train at 34th Street and I saw a guy jump in front of a train. Ugh. And I was like right after. R- immediately after. I was like still in my stuff cuz I had worn black pants and a white shirt. I don't know if you have seen I Book of Mormon. I'm familiar but, with that costume. Um and I remember thinking to myself I was just like this guy it's, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. to see something like that. And it really, really shook me up. Terrifying. And I, I like felt, I had to, I went upstairs. I like felt sick. I had to get air. And I was like, I, this is just like really freaked me out. 
I remember thinking, I was like, you know, I don't ever want to be that unhappy that I feel like that's my only choice. And not that I ever have. Yeah. But like. But you're like, my God. It was just this you're moment. You're a young man in New York. Yeah. I was 23, your, yeah. 24. Trico, that's more food. Trico, more food. Trico, food's your here. food's here. Um, but yeah, that was another, that was, that was one of those things where I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And so I really took a look and decided that maybe this isn't what I wanted anymore. And I felt, it took me a really long time to not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Because I felt like I was letting people down because. What, who? Just, you know, uh, I had so much support in my family and at yeah. home. Like people that I grew up with have always been like, oh, we know we're going to see you on stage one day. Right. This is all you've ever been. And we've always known you're going to be a performer. And, right. you know, the fact that my parents helped me pay for this four-year degree. And right. I had been taking these dance classes since I was seven years old, which at that point was like, you know, almost 20 years. Yeah. And I just felt like if I gave up on it, it was going to be letting all these people down that I had, right. that had stood behind me for my entire it's life. Like, it's, a, it's an odd thing when you get out into the city or out of college or something the amount of pressure you feel to, to satisfy, do something yeah do something yep. for the people who are back home yeah oh completely which is so interesting because if yeah. they thought about you as much as you think they think about you <laughs> i know here i am like everyone's no just waiting at home to see what i'm going to do but next. i i'm i'm saying that as in i know exactly what you're yeah. saying and that yeah. can be and that can be crippling too you know like a little it's, bit it's it can be a lot so you were you felt bad but you also were like i don't have the same kind of passion that i used to yeah and this. i noticed too even the kinds of people um that I was still really close friends with that were really doing it, you know, like yeah. really out there. I just didn't have the same, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared at that age. And I definitely am not now to like get up at five o'clock in the morning and go to an open call that I might not be seen for and then right. go work three jobs and then be up until 2am and then go do it all again the next day. Yeah. All the while collecting a $200 paycheck and like l figuring out how to pay my rent. And right. I did that for the first year that I was here and I just, it wore me out. It like, it crippled me. And it was right. actually funny because the same, like a week after that, I got mono and I was like, I was out, I was down for the count. I had right. mono for like two months. Oh I mean, it was amazing. I was so skinny, but it was, <laughs> um, but it was just this thing where I kind of felt like the universe was putting all these things in my way to just say, Maybe you need to look at this and decide what it is you really want to do because maybe this isn't it. Right. And I feel like my whole life really from very young age has just been saying yes to possibilities when they come out. And it was just like you said, kind of understanding maybe at some point there might be something else you want to do. Right. Like letting go of that laser light focus that yeah. you have and saying so many if people I do something. Hold on to it for other people yeah. rather than doing the next thing that would make them happy or right. inspired. And that's actually a really good way to put it is because that really was what most of it was for when mm -hmm. I look back on it. And you actually said something to me one time when we were in here talking about, you know, you said every year of your 20s is kind of like a different, you're a, a different Canyon person. in between yeah. each year. My yeah. God. And you, I feel like I could, if my life had, was a trapper keeper, a Lisa mm -hmm. Frank trapper keeper, and I had little tabs you yeah. know, I could flip to each year of my 20s and be able to say, like, Oof, that oof, year was when I really hit this was brick I wall, thinking? and that was a really big lesson. Yep. Yeah, I mean, your 20s are crazy time. It's a tumultuous really, time. You know, you're you're flying on your own without a net. Yeah. And it's just, it's And then tough. I think when you add, when you add also on top of that, moving to New York City and, like, coming out of the closet and all of these things that are huge boundaries under the best of circumstances right. and you put them all together and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god um but anyway so i uh i had a i got a job working i was selling t-shirts at broadway shows uh -huh. one of which was book of mormon yes um and so i i was selling t-shirts at these broadway shows and then i got involved with that company and ended up working i was i had an office job with that company for years that's where i was working at wicked right, right. um and uh the it merchandise was, company. Yeah, it was a merchandising company and we had uh we just it was it was a really busy job and at the time it was exactly what I needed because I was twenty four and I like had a stable job with health insurance and mm -hmm. like a four oh one K and all these things that I didn't know anybody who had a four oh one K at right. that point. You know, all my right. friends were actors, so right. to have that I was like, Oh my god, this is such a big deal and um I got really comfortable with that. 
and then I became super unhappy doing that and I I had this moment October actually it was like summertime of last year when I was on vacation where I was just like oh, what am I doing what do I really want to do and I still don't think I've really found out what it is I ultimately want to do with my life but I decided I wanted to get back into the wardrobe stuff right um which I immediately called Carl and was like Carl you were right like and by the oh. way you're writing me a letter of recommendation for the union so oh, Carl. um so he did and I ended up uh, joining the wardrobe union and then I took my second like massive leap of faith in October I just left my job and I said I'm done at the end of this month I don't know what I'm doing but I want to be out of here and at least for our union you're kind of it's it's pretty old school you do a resume and a cover letter and you walk around all the stage doors right. you drop it off you hope to meet the supervisor you hope to like have some kind of connection with somebody right. and luckily at that point after having worked in this industry in some fringe way for so many years, I knew so many people that were willing to help me out. And I mean, I had friends really come through for me. I had house managers that passed resumes around. I had people that worked in like the Nederlander organization that were uh, passing my resumes out to who, like pretty much whoever would listen. I think yeah. I probably handed out close to a hundred resumes in that wow. first month just because I was, I was in no position to turn any job down, you know? And then right. um, all of a sudden I get this phone call from Scotty Westervelt. Mm-hmm. He was like, it was like 11 o'clock on a, on a Tuesday night. And I get this text from this number. It's like, hi, this is Scotty. Can you, I'm at Hamilton. Can you give me a call on this number? And I was like, oh my God. Okay. So I like screenshotted the message and texted it to my mom. Cause I was Aww. like, I don't know what this is about. He's probably telling me to go away and stop sending resumes. Um, but he, uh, he brought me in for day work, cause, right. which we do here. And I started doing a couple days a week. Um, and then just, it kind of just blossomed from there. And I was so so fortunate that my first job in wardrobe was with Hamilton. I mean, I haven't had to find work anywhere else since right. then. So, you That's know. That's amazing. Yeah. And you've been here since October. October of last year. So, oh, yeah. So it's over a year. It's over a year. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, and you, and I kind of know what you mean about when you were saying coming into an already established thing. Yeah. And being kind of nervous because it was like it was my first job on Broadway mm-hmm. and it was my first situation with wardrobe and it was also I was coming into Hamilton which is this massive hit and I yeah. you know it took me a couple months to get over the whole like I don't belong here like any day now they're going to figure out that I have no business being here um but you are having so much fun on top of doing a great job of what you do but I think that you have such an enthusiasm and joy with the job that you're doing mm-hmm. and I think that that's why everyone loves having you around and it's it's so much fun but I think that for me and why I wanted to talk with you is because you're oh they're (laughs) testing me that's me on is that the right direction? that's turning it off so that's fine okay perfect Um, I don't want to have to the sound tests yeah Listen to me (laughs) sorry no go back to me (laughs) we were talking about me right yeah um, he turned that <laughs> off right away. <laughs> Get that Let me off. Me Rory's saying something nice about me. Uh, no, you have such a wonderful attitude. And I think that your story of going from being a performer, being open to being in different aspects of this business, and now being being a dresser here at Hamilton. And, you know, of course this isn't the end of your journey, but mm-hmm. I think to be able to, at your age, in your 20s, you know, to be able to have gone through and experienced so as much as you have is a wonderful example for a lot of people who are entering yeah. this field to be open to having a life in sure. this business that isn't just this way or nothing mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people who I think would love to be doing what you're doing of but course. they don't open themselves up right. to it well if you had told me at 22 your choices are you can either do this or you can be a dresser but you're not going to be an actor i'd be like well that's ridiculous of course i'm not going to do that right it's not what i want to do right you know if you had also told me that i would one day have like a little i was a drag queen for a few years you know like that kind of stuff it's just like and this is what i always tell the kids at the the high school is just that you have to be open to those opportunities because you really never know and it's not even just just a matter of you know, people say, uh, oh, like, opportunity doesn't knock twice or whatever the, you know, colloquialisms yeah. or whatever. But I think it's more just about recognizing that when a possibility comes to you, saying immediately, oh, I don't do that or I don't have those skills right. or I'm not interested in that. 
you never that's the only way you learn i think right anything and that's the only reason i think i've gone through so many mediums in my short time on earth already is just because i've been willing to try new things and kind of pay attention to the signals that are around me at least for me you know it's almost like i always say it's kind of like the improv lesson the rule of improv is you yes yes and (laughs) yeah that's a great thing in life is that you say yes and do something else that you take whatever life brings you say yes to it Mm -hmm. and add to that and that's why i feel i don't think this is what i'm going to do for the rest of my life by any stretch of the imagination I love it. I'm so yeah. happy and I love the job that I have and I love what I'm doing and I love all the side projects I'm doing for people, all the like sewing and puppet mm-hmm. making and oh, you yeah. know, he all made, that stuff. Chris made puppets for my 54 Below show <laughs> for auto titling. Yeah. I mean, it's great and all that stuff is, I love that, but you know, part of me is like maybe I will go back to school and get that degree in right. meteorology or chemistry or whatever it is. Oh wait, chemistry, so we're still in the chemistry. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh my God. So the, so the end of this is still, is, the end of this I'm going to be a chemist. Like maybe, maybe. Okay. Well, I don't know. Well, I think that um, you have a really unique uh, and great story and I think that it's so important to, ha- to, to be open to so many different things yeah. and clearly you are somebody who's that. I also think that a lot of people who need to be as busy as you are as a human being don't like being an actor. I'm a lot better as an actor because I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I love not doing anything. But you do so much. I, I do, and I don't. Like, it's, it's, you should see me when I'm not working, you know. When, yes, when I have a dressing room next to Lin-Manuel Miranda for a you, while, I'm like, well, I guess you absolutely I should do something. have to. When I'm in Hamilton and, yeah. and everyone's like, what do you do with all your free uh-huh. time? And I go, oh, God, I better come up with I something. I better come up with some hey, list My of... answer of reading tweets He's and very busy. Candy Crush is right. not impressive. But I think that for a lot of people like you who, you know, a year of patiently waiting for something and when you're like mm-hmm. I don't that's not how I live my life I, I, I actively pursue yeah. something and I think that's wonderful and I don't think that people should be you know yes you do have to be patient as an actor but there are a lot of people yeah. who don't live their life like that and you have to you and should. it's really honestly I have to give credit to my parents 100% of that because they were the ones who my, my father and my mother both instilled like such a crazy work ethic in me and my sister both from such an early age that it's like, there was never... Uh, did you see that? I saw that sound effect. What is that? Is that us talking like idiots earlier? Um, but they both instilled such a sense of work and just going for whatever it is that's in front of you and doing the best job at whatever. If you're a custodian or if you're a lead actor on Broadway, you right. do it the best that you can. You don't ever slack and you don't ever take the fact that you're given an opportunity for granted right. um, because you really don't know when it's going to come out and you don't also ever know what opportunity it's going to lead to later on in your life. Yes. You know, the number of people that I'm sure you've seen from years ago that you went to school with even that mm-hmm. now, I mean, look at you in Groban, like he's right. working next door. Yeah. He was in your, like, he was just your friend from college. Yeah. So you never know where that's going to come from. No. And, and I think that, you know, like having the relationships that you have here and the different people that you meet through all aspects it's just it, it enriches your life yeah to to be able to say yes and so i think you're a really good example and i'm not going to compliment you anymore <laughs> i think that's enough that'll um, be quite enough of that quite enough of that thank you for talking with me yes thank you for having me i'm actually it really is such an honor to be on your podcast oh, i was so excited you. when you asked me thank I'd... you yeah, and mom, um, if you're listening, yes. this is for well, you. Well, if she's not listening, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> That's 80% of, my... of your fan yes. base. <laughs> I need her to listen. I always like my feedback from your mom. So yeah, well, she's, she's very supportive. She is positive, p- positive Patty. That's what we call her. Well, now we have to go do tonight's show. I have to go do a show. And get ready for Mandy to come visit. We have to go we warm this room up. It is, warm, it is cold, and I don't cold. see any M&Ms in here. I'm going to so. go get some treats for Mandy and really hope I impress her tonight. <laughs> All right, bud. Thanks for always talking with me and yeah. visiting me. And it's been wonderful getting to become friends with you I while agree. doing this. This has been show. really special for me, too. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye, y'all. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey, 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.